afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> this is a show where uh, we bring you the tools, the, the resources you need to make it through this crazy thing called life. So glad to have you on board. I'll be your cruise director. And today we got a lot to discuss, a lot to uh, learn about and a lot to uh, figure out life. Life is tough. And then all of a sudden... One professor does a very simple study on voodoo dolls, and it changes everything. If you're out there in listener land and you have a voodoo doll at home, before you do anything to that doll, listen to this program. Because you might be showing signs of serious aggression. Speaking of serious aggression, Sean O'Neill is in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you, Sean? I'm doing good. James is on the keyboard. By yep. the way, do you make do you make your own voodoo dolls? Oh, yeah. Okay. We, you know, when we had our Do daughter, you have like a recipe or a? <laughs> yeah, I have a great recipe. A form that you use. <laughs> yeah, I have a form I have to mold mine into. No, Cla- use clay, straw. <laughs> you know what's weird about it is when we had our daughter at home, we always yeah. had dolls everywhere, and now we don't have dolls. We just have balls. This is not surprising. We have, we in our front room have a basket of assorted. Sports memorabilia equipment. and equipment and balls. Okay, I mean we li- we we will have like a sports card, like a baseball card. We'll have you know four or five baseballs, five basketballs, couple Nerf whatevers. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. I don't have that. at <sighs> No my more house. voodoo dolls, but we do. By the way, I have lots of dolls at my house. But you can get just as much aggression out on a ball as you can a voodoo doll. Hmm. We'll Just have to so discuss you know. that. Just we'll so have you know. to ask that question of, of our guest. Hey, have you been looking at the news? Did you hear that the Obamas are in they were in Saudi Arabia? Right. And it created a stir. Well Did you hear why? Because Mrs. She's, Obama did not cover her head. She's not playing the game. Yeah. She didn't wear the typical headdress. Or any headdress. Or any headdress and to cover her head, which is offensive to many in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. And um she, you know, she wasn't going to do it. Now, it, you know, that, but all of a sudden, everyone starts tweeting that she's not an infidel, but that she's disrespecting. She's disrespecting, that she's not being, um, you know, in fact, this is exactly what they said. It was roughly that she's immodest. Basically, 1,500 oh. tweets went out with the hashtag in Arabic, but it basically means that Michelle Obama is immodest. Okay. Now, here's the question. When in Saudi Arabia, shouldn't you do... Do as the Saudi Arabians? Shouldn't you? I would think. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the the phrase is when in Rome, right? Yeah, but they weren't even near Rome. I know, but They were in Saudi Arabia. But I don't know. It just seems like it's just respectful. But I mean, that you just should go be respectful. But interesting, Laura Bush didn't do it. Oh, she didn't? No. Wow. When she was there in 07, Hillary Clinton didn't do it. So why are they expecting Condoleezza Rice didn't do it? Yeah. Why are they Because people need to beat up on Michelle Obama. Okay. But you know what she did do, which I thought was beautifully respectful? She she covered herself. Yeah. So her arms weren't I bare. do see her outfit. Yes, she is very well covered. And 
Then there's the weird thing where they're not allowed to touch these leaders of Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but she decided to shake somebody's hand. And she what she did is she'd just wait. She would just simply wait. And if they extended the hand, she'd shake the hand. If she did, I if think they that's appropriate. Hand, it's beautiful. I think that's very appropriate. I'm proud of them. Yeah. I don't know that we need – I mean there are some that are like, oh, that's just so – you know, that's just so well, archaic. I think, I think the whole handshake thing is the Saudi Arabian leaders being respectful yeah. to the customs of America. You're, well, and you're, exactly. And you're not supposed to touch – in Saudi Arabia, you're not supposed to touch a female that's not of your family. Right. And the Saudi Arabian leaders are saying, look, when you are coming to visit us in our home, we treat you like family. Yes. So that's why they wanted to shake her hand. But some still didn't shake her hand. And they that's weren't even – they a, weren't Republicans. You, <laughs> they were Saudi Arabians. You know, I think – and I think that's OK. Oh, yeah. That's – that's you know, you, you got to respect the customs of, of each side. But we don't have to turn everything into a, 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 some type no. of right, civil rights movement or a female rights movement. I mean this is tradition. This is history. This is their, this is their culture. Just – I agree. When in Saudi Arabia, do as the Saudi Arabians. Here's another thing. In the news, I don't know if you saw this. No, um, the this is this is breaking news. Mister Incredible has been convicted in Hollywood Boulevard brawl against Batgirl. Do you remember this, Mister Incredible from mm-hmm. The Incredibles? Mm-hmm. The Mister Incredible. The you know some don't think he's the real one. The the husband of of, uh, of Elastigirl Mrs. of Mrs. Incredible. No, Elastigirl. See again, Sean. You know too much about the weird. Things of father of dash, yeah. Okay, okay. Got Friend it. of Frozone, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Oh boy, we've just opened the creepometer. <laughs> it's creeping in, James, and now James is participating. <laughs> yeah, of course he is. This is like Comic Con BYU en- enemy of syndrome, mutual friends of Gazer Bean. Yep, Mister Incredible. So what did he do? He's been convicted. Wow. In the brawl, why would he Bat fight Batgirl though? Because. They were – Batgirl was encroaching on his territory. Oh, I see. On Hollywood see. Boulevard. You don't mess with another oh. superhero's territory. Are these people that are dressed up to take pictures on Hollywood Boulevard? No, these are the real thing? deal. Oh, yeah, sure they are. Uh, his name you is – You do realize Mr. Incredible's animated? Not this one. Mohammed Billick, 35, was convicted of battery and sentenced to a day in jail, three years probation, 20 days of Caltrans work. Ooh, that sounds like the Ouch. death sentence. And 36 well, that means he's anger working management on the classes. Is that what he's doing? He's picking up he's, trash on yep. the side of the highway. Wearing his orange jumpsuit. Exactly. Uh, he has to go to anger management classes, 36 of them, by the way, all because of an attack in front of the TCL Chinese Theater that was caught on camera and uploaded to YouTube. And in this, uh, he basically... Just threw Batgirl to the ground. Jeez. Now, by the way, this isn't the first time. Well, this is Mr. Incredible's livelihood. Come on. I know. But you'd think Mr. Incredible would have other income. You'd think he'd be on the dole with the government or something. But here's, well, I, here's more. This, hasn't, this isn't just this. SpongeBob SquarePants in 2011 was questioned by officers after an altercation with two women. Batman and Robin sought the help of police to deal with run-ins with CD vendors. Why are Batman and Robin asking for the help of police? It's a great question. Something's weird in yeah. Hollywood. In 2007, LAPD PD officers arrested Chewbacca. <laughs> you got that one, James? Yeah, I got that. Let's hear that. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, again, you guys spend way too much time thinking about that. Uh, Chewbacca on suspicion of headbutting a tour guide. 
And in 2005, Elmo and another Mr. Incredible Uh and the villain from Scream movies, they were all arrested on suspicion of aggressive panhandling. Sheesh. Which I think makes the point for the show today. Aggressive? Aggressive. Yeah. Are we becoming more aggressive? Obviously, because our our animated cartoon heroes are now beating people up in Hollywood. It's scary. So we're going to bring in the expert today. Dr. Nathaniel Lambert's going to be joining us. He has written um, a ton, 70-plus articles um, in, a, in a variety of different uh, topics. Publications. Publications. Mm-hmm. But he also has done the study on voodoo dolls. Yes. And he's going to teach us about aggressiveness and our inclinations towards aggressive behavior. We're going to see if you've got an aggressive streak in you. We'll be right back, my friends. Taking on that, plus a whole lot more today on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Why do you have to be so rude? Marry that girl, James. She's not rude. Your girlfriend, Macklemore, she's not rude. Nope. She's great. So we're talking about everybody else out there. Why do they have to be so rude? Why do they have to be so mean and aggressive? Why is Mr. Invincible or Mr. Incredible beating up Miss or Batgirl? Come on! We need to find a kinder, gentler world. And so we wanted to talk to an expert uh, who can help us maybe understand ourselves a lot better and uh, also understand maybe some of our aggressive tendencies, where those things might come from. Our expert today is Nate Lambert, uh, professor, assistant professor at the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. Dr. Lambert is a psychologist, a professor, author, and public speaker. He's the author of over 70 research articles and book chapters on the topic of thriving in life, and he served uh, as an editor of the Journal of Positive Psychology. Uh, Nate, uh, Nate Lambert, Dr. Nate Lambert, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, glad to be with you, Matt. Love having you on the show, and love having... Just your research, you've done some pretty fascinating stuff, and I wanted, when I saw the study that we, I wanted to talk about, I thought, oh, this is good. But before we get to it, so I don't want to, I don't want to blow that all up, Nate, because you're also a positive psychologist, which um, it's, it's kind of seems to be a very trendy, new type of psychology, but explain to us what it is. I personally love it, and um, honestly, for me, it, I, I think it's a lot more effective in growing healthy people than maybe just studying abnormal psychology. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, most of psychology has been the focus on things that are abnormal and things that are wrong. Um, I believe that at least, maybe not equal, but at least uh, a lot more attention needs to be paid to, to that which enhances and benefits life and thriving rather than just what's going oh. wrong in, in everyone's life. So true. I mean, really, when you think about it, um, understanding why dysfunctional people do something doesn't mean that I know what functional looks like. So it's probably a lot more effective to go study functional, happy people, effective people, positive people, 
because it seems to be more of the norm. And I guess that's what you've dedicated your life to, right? That's the focus. It is, yeah. And I like, too, that your your goal is to help people find how to create a thriving life, not just a life that we can put up with. Exactly. I think it's all about, uh, you know, not so many people just settle in life. You know, I, I my research and, and the books that I've written are targeted toward helping people to, to rise above mediocrity to really thrive mm. and live to the their full potential. I mean, that's... Uh, again, that's why we're here, right? Is to make a difference, and uh, it's hard because you just get you get pulled down. It's easy to just kind of follow your mood. Sometimes your chemistry. Sometimes we have not you know not everyone's handed the perfect uh, mix or formula to have a great life. So at some point we've got to learn it, which is one of the goals of this program. Talk to us, Nate, about some of your research now and, and your areas that you like to focus in on before we get into this. Uh, now what I call the, the, the infamous voodoo study. <laughs> yeah, so my research is, uh, as you mentioned, is focused mostly on positive psychology. I study a lot about how prayer and religiosity can enhance uh, relationships and people's individual well-being. Uh, I've also looked into gratitude and, and done, published several, uh, you know, a dozen or more studies on how Gratitude can help and, and bless people's lives. Hmm. Um, go ahead. And that and that works. Yeah, it really I mean, does. Being I grateful mean, just, improves life. It really does. Like I've talked to a lot of people who've studied a lot of things, and those who have, have added gratitude as one as part of their study have found that it outpredicts almost every other positive um, element. I mean, a gratitude is just so strong and powerful. It, it really just. Uh, works wonders in people's lives. Well, it's, it's interesting because so so now you kind of know that gratitude, I guess, as a factor is it's out predicting other variables, other factors for a healthy life. Um, let's let's look at another one. And, and I want your your just your gut reaction on this. And um, I have a feeling you'll have a you'll have some profound insight on it. Let's just talk about aggressiveness. Do you sense on the earth today? Are we a more aggressive people? than maybe 30 years ago, 40 years ago, are we a less aggressive per, uh, group of people? I would, I would say, on the whole, we're much less aggressive. So we're getting um, better. Oh, absolutely. If you look at, uh, I can't remember the, the name of the exact talk, but at Forum a couple years ago, the, the author talked about how uh, there's less war at this time than there ever has been in the Earth's history. I'm talking worldwide, not yeah. this- not necessarily nationwide. You know, there's less violence uh, perpetrated on women. Women have more rights, more freedom. Yeah, is it still a problem? Of course. You know, uh, there's there's a high percentage. It's it's kind of astounding. About twenty percent of, of people in romantic relationships, twenty percent or more, are still, uh, you know, the the victims of violence. Hmm. But worldwide, I mean, the, the violence rates have gone down significantly. Well, the, and again, we don't hear that. We don't hear that in the news. You know, no. we don't. I mean, if we just listen to the news, you would sense that we're getting much more violent. There's more wars. We hear about every war. We hear about, you know, tribal wars in Africa where they're kidnapping girls and selling them in the sex trade. I mean, we and, and 
But I guess you're saying overall on the earth, it's getting better. Absolutely. It's a, it's a really positive trend. I mean, with, with globalization and technology, I mean, it's just really an education. People are becoming much more educated than they've ever been. They're becoming more healthy than they've ever been. You know, if you watch the news, you'd never know. But actually, uh, we're on a great trajectory as as a worldwide community. And violence is one of the things that's that's gone down uh, most drastically. Oh, really! I mean, really, that's great news. And and so one of the goals of the show is to help people find the good in the world. And um, honestly, let's let's at least remember that, man. Statistically. It's ticking up. Talk about aggression. I know one of the areas that you've gone um, and kind of focused some of your attention is on aggressive inclinations. And I'm assuming that that's a pretty hard thing to study because you have to, I guess, catch people in aggressiveness or aggressive behavior. And and I don't know how you do that. You just sneak up on them. (laughs) You you let the husband come home from work and then you just show up and see what the if they're fighting. No, that's that's a great question. It's true. It's it's not easy to get at this. Now, there's a couple ways that we that we've done it in in in, in my research studies. So, we do have people self-report, and you'd be surprised at how honest people. Oh, it's accurate, be. huh? Okay. Yeah, I mean, not, I, there's all people. There's you know, it's called social desirability. People are always wanting to make themselves look as good as possible. So, yeah, a lot of people aren't going to admit to it, but. I've been surprised in all the studies I've conducted how many people flat out admit to smacking or hitting and you know doing all kinds of things to their romantic partner that you would never think that they would admit to, but they fully admit to it in a hmm. survey. Great. Now, as you mentioned, though, that you know that that does have its problems. So we we've, we've gotten we as uh, researchers have gotten creative and come up with a lot of different ways to measure it. One one thing that that really simulates. Um, aggressiveness and gets people. Uh, it's been related to self-reported aggressiveness, and it is what's called a, <clears throat> a a task where you the noise blast task. You uh, you get you put two people in separate rooms. You make them think that they're playing a game against each other, right? Yeah. And uh, you get to set the noise, the the level of intensity, how long and how loud you blast your partner with noise, right? Oh, wow. So, yeah, and you think that they're, so the, the game is controlled, so they're not actually playing against each other. The computer's just, you know, simulating yeah. it, and so so they think their partner's blasting them with a lot of noise. So the, <laughs> what we measure is how, how do they retaliate? Do they blast their partner back with noise? Do they, I mean, they have these headphones on it. Yeah. It's really uncomfortable, the, the, these blasts of noise right in their ears. So the, what we measure is how long and how loud do they blast their partners back. Oh, wow. Uh, with, and, yeah, with noise. And, and that's how you start to see. So if, if I, you and I are playing and you send me a blast, and but truly really the computer generates some random amount of blast, and then I respond to it with a, with a more aggressive blast back, you start to see that my aggressiveness levels. Exactly. Yeah, and that that particular task has been really validated as a really reliable measure of how how aggressive people are. Wow. And, and it does, and it isn't you know self-reported. So that's sure. kind of a. Well, I mean, it's, a, it sounds like you'd be you know people would be going deaf in your studies. <laughs> yeah, you know they have to sign their consent form, and so we don't <laughs> take any liability. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
Uh, but you know, it's because it really is that that's a pretty tricky way to do it. And um, and then I, I assume, like, have you just seen off the charts aggression? Have you just seen people retaliate with immediate, quick, dramatic pushback? Yeah, some people just get really upset and just go just really vengeful toward their partner. Yeah. And um, it's, it's pretty astounding. Okay, because this is what we're going to get into then, Nate. We're talking with Nathaniel Lambert, a.k.a. Nate Lambert, Ph.D. here at Brigham Young University, one of our great scholars here. He's an assistant professor in the School of Family Life. He's talking to us about aggressiveness and aggression. And again, overall on the planet, my friends, it's getting better. Uh, w- the planet is getting dramatically better, and um, and yet you may not always think that. Again, we hear all of these stories. You hear about all the violence just at work and the terrorism and all of these things, and yet in the end, it's getting better. When we come back, though, we're going to ask Nate about a study he did using voodoo dolls. He calls it the voodoo doll task. It's very interesting research where they just use dolls, and they, they, they watched what people do with dolls and how they handled the dolls if the dolls represented someone they loved. Interesting, interesting stuff. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. More right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Great question, Taylor. That Taylor Swift. Do you like this song, James? Love it. Do you sing it to McMahon? No, it's just, I mainly focus on love songs. Yeah, so, no time for this. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's my new favorite word. Get a little creepy. Totally creepy. James is in love. There's no mean in the love between James and McQueen. It's just pure, unadulterated love. Yep. Moving right along, uh, on the phone with us is Dr. Nathan, or his name's Nathaniel, but it's written here, and I've just, it's got to be Nate. We're making it Nate. It's official. Dr. Matt calls him Dr. Nate. And uh, Nate Lambert is on the phone with us. He's an assistant professor at the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. He writes a lot. He studies a lot. He researches a lot. And today he's talking to us about aggressiveness and our inclinations to be aggressive. Um, He really is, uh, I think, helping us. There's so many things and moments where we might just blow up. We might just be more aggressive than maybe we need to. And we're going to ask him what he's learning Uh, See also if we can get some insight into what we should do if we notice we're fairly aggressive uh, instead of just acting out on that aggression. Dr. Nate Lambert, welcome back to the show. Hey, great to be back. Great to have you. And uh, let's get into this study. So we are kind of, you know, combing through various uh, research sites. And Sean, our producer, came up and found this uh, study that you did called the Voodoo Doll Task. And uh, maybe talk to us about that, because, I, you know, I thought voodoo dolls, you know, I thought we weren't using them anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I actually just recently watched uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom with my family. And, <laughs> and in that movie, if you recall, the, the little boy is, you know, using the voodoo doll to yeah. stab 
there's kind of this magical quality about a voodoo doll, and obviously, you know, people don't really believe that, that this actually happens, or at least most people don't, but there's still sort of this sense that, hey, if we tell people it's interesting, if we tell people that, hey, we show them a picture or we give them an actual doll and say, this represents your romantic partner. Um, so this being your romantic partner, uh, how many pins, we give them, give them a choice of uh, about 60 pins, we say, <laughs> how many of these 60 pins would you like to stick Ooh. into your, uh, this doll that represents your romantic partner? Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, uh, there's actually a lot of people say zero, right? I mean, yeah, most oh, people none. are, like, masochistic about it. But you'd be surprised that a lot of people who are naturally more aggressive toward their partner will will stick a lot of pins in, in their partner, in, in the doll Weird. that represents their partner. Do they ask, like, what I would ask is, well, is, is my partner going to know? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want her to find out that I'm sticking pins in her. But, yeah, I mean, we tell them that, that their results are completely confidential. So Interesting. But the aggressive, the more aggressive ones, would stick a lot of pins. What, how many pins out of the 60 did you ever see stuck into a voodoo doll? Yeah, we've had all 60. Wow. Before. Yeah, they need, yeah, they, yeah I think their marriage is in trouble. Yeah. I mean, is there, I mean, is that, is that, what, what do you do with that? What do you do with that kind of information? Well, I mean, as researchers, we're not really allowed to intervene. Yeah. But um, I, I, my goal is to have this measure used in clinics and, and other places in which, you know, they can intervene. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, people are sticking a lot of, a lot of pins in the, in, the, in the doll that represents their partner. I mean, that, that indicates some serious problems in the relationship, and they should really make sure that they're getting treated for it. You bet. Is, um, and I guess in all of the studies, what, what were some of your big learnings? What were you noticing? What, what was the outcome of the study? Well, one of the big uh, purposes of this study was to determine, is this a reliable and valid measure? Is this, are we really studying aggression here? So I told you about the, the noise blast. Yeah. We wanted to check would, you know, people that are blasting their partner with a lot of noise, because that, that measure's been validated, would they also stick a lot of pins in their, in their romantic partner, in the doll that represents their romantic partner? And we found that, that they were highly related, you know? Mm-hmm. If they were going to be blasting noise, they'd also stick a lot of pins in. in. Um, one of the other really interesting studies we did, we actually videotaped. Well, well, first they came in and they, we asked them how many pins they would stick in their partner. And then they came back four weeks later, and we had them engage in a, in a task with their partner, just like a cooperative behavior task, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to see how well they're getting along and what their, you know, their interaction with their partner, right? Because as we talked about, sometimes when they just, Right, how aggressive they are in a survey. Sometimes that doesn't always represent how aggressive they really are. Right. So we took the videotapes of people interacting with their partner during this task, and we had a group of, of research assistants code those those interactions uh, for aggressiveness. Uh, for example, if, if they you know used aggressive words like um, jerk, yeah. 
you know, sometimes they would let words like that slip out, you know, and those were some of the things that we coded. Right. And actually, other studies have found that, you know, when people use words like that, um, they're they're more aggressive. So aggressive. Um, so that's interesting because I guess most of us aren't going to be able to go take the sound test or the um, or the voodoo doll test about our spouse. But I guess we could know if we use a lot of aggressive language. What are some other signs that we ourselves might be? aggressive to the point that we might need to go look at getting some help. Yeah, I mean the the language thing is is a, is a big deal and just uh, having a you know short temper um you know the, there's a, a lot of verbal aggression you know if you call your partner not only just bad language but if you call them names or um insult them often uh swear at them. Hmm. You know, these can all be signs that there's, you know, uh, other types of aggression. It's not all physical, right? There's psychological aggression. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, playing mind games with them. Exactly. I mean, it's... Oh, go ahead. So what we found was that people that, you know, use the the words, bad words, and, you know, use the aggressive language also stuck more pins in, in in their partner. Did they? So yeah. it's, I mean, it really, so we know the measure helps. So now, are you, I mean, we, <laughs> is there any catharsis to it? I mean, were they, were they getting, were they deriving a benefit by being able to release this aggression in a safer way? I mean, I guess that's, that's not what you were measuring per se, but it seems like. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question, Matt. You know, Brad, researcher Brad Bushman, he's done uh, up at Ohio State, he's done a lot of research on this catharsis idea. <laughs> There's this myth that, hey, if we if we just can get out our frustration, yeah, get it out of you. you no, know, yeah, hit a you know hit a bobo doll or punching bag or a pillow. Is this going to help us so that we're less aggressive? And actually, in in several studies conducted by by Brad Bushman and, and other researchers, they found that you know this is this is a complete myth. People is it? aren't. Yeah, they're actually it actually increases your aggression. They did studies where they had people either you know punch a punch a bobo doll during it during the break or do another activity. And people that actually you know um, express their frustration like that became more aggressive in, in a later uh, follow up. Oh, interesting. So it, that that catharsis idea. I mean, go hit your pillow. Go. Go out there and, I mean, you know, country music, kick the dog. But it, that doesn't necessarily get rid of your emotion. It just, I guess, does it just teach you to go to go use it more, to go do it again, to go increase yeah. it? it actually augments the aggression mm. that the research found. Again, that's so counterintuitive, isn't that? And everyone out there is like, yeah, you just got to get it out of you. But there are healthier ways to get rid of your aggression than, I guess, more aggression. Aggression yeah. begets aggression. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, some of the things that they found to be helpful is, you know, change your patterns, right? Go for a jog, listen to some soothing music, take kind of what they call a timeout, you know, where you're just, you're not engaging, you're just thinking about something else and giving yourself a little time to to relax and, and let the anger uh, dissipate right. on you. I think that's, I mean, that's kind of what uh, is the key. Is the, is it... Are you, are we born with this anger? Are we born with this aggressiveness? Is it something that you know has happened because of you know family of origin type of issues? You know family you know abuse. 
Where, where does the aggressiveness come from? Yeah, great question, Matt. So there, you know, a lot of a lot of research has found some generational links. Um, so you know, just because someone has parents who have abused them does not, by any means, mean that they're gonna that they're bound to be aggressive. There is a link, though. People who are aggressive do tend to have, you know, more aggressive parents. So hmm. there is that generational link. Uh, so I think it's a it's a combination of nature and nurture, right? You have Obviously, you're, some people just have more aggressive genes. They're more easily prone to anger and, and acting out. Uh, but then it's also something that's learned. And, and because of that, it's something that, that can be reduced. You know, with, with, uh, there's been a lot of clinical studies that have, you know, and therapy that have helped people to become less aggressive. So it is something that, that maybe you, ha- you often can learn from your environment. But you, you can also unlearn and, and with practice and and a lot of work, you know, people can overcome these things. Well, I mean, and that's it. I mean, you're, you know, you're going to need to learn it one way or another by just practicing learning, recognizing you have the, the tendency or the symptoms of it, or you're going to learn it when court ordered to go to anger management classes for 36 weeks, uh, one right. way or the no- another. And I guess the good news, Nate, is it's, it's, it is something that we can work on and learn. Absolutely. Well, let's take a break, Nate. We're going to come back. I'd love to just find out more what, what you think we ought to do. What, if, you know, what are some more ideas, more tools we could do just as the average everyday person, how we maybe also could work uh, on um, aggression with our children and help them maybe cope better with aggressive behavior. More insights, my friends, from Dr. Nate Lambert uh, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag and see how fast you go? Great questions, Fred. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Fred Rogers. Is that his name? It sounds wrong. It sounds like that's the dancer. Oh, Fred Astaire. No, that's Fred Astaire. And Ginger Rogers. Fred Rogers was the guy oh, that played with him. puppets on TV. Yeah. Now, by the way, that song right there, he's trying to teach these kids healthy ways to cope with their emotion. Yes, exactly. But when you listen to it as an adult, it kind of makes me aggressive. I don't know what that means. Let's go to the expert. Hey, we've been talking about aggressiveness, and Dr. Nate Lambert is joining us. He's an assistant professor at the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University, a psychologist, a professor, author, public speaker, and uh, he's been studying a lot um, aggressive behavior, and he's he's basically, I guess now knows that you can use voodoo dolls as a, as a pretty effective means to study aggressive inclinations in people. Nate, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, thanks, Matt. Hey, when you hear Fred Rogers singing that song about what you could do with your emotions, do you, do you feel aggressive towards Fred? Because I do, kind of. Yeah, I just want to poke some pins in, in, it, in him, I think. You know? <laughs> Is that what you want? It's the, we need a Fred Rogers pin do- uh, voodoo doll, don't we? That's right. It's, it's so interesting because uh, every one of us knows that feeling of just that, the emotion that is just growing in us and we're angry. But then I guess it's a different act to go, to actually go step out and do something about it. We don't do right. that. We don't usually step out, do we, and get aggressive. 
no, thankfully. What what is what do you what in all your research have you noticed is the difference between those that act out and those that don't? Yeah, you know, there's there's some important ways to deal with it. You know, if you have if you have the tendency, um, you know, because I've done I've done a lot of relationship intervention research. Yeah. And I've, um, Scott Stanley um, has has a, a a program called Within My Reach that he teaches couples who are having problems with aggression what they can do um, to 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 deal with this. Hmm. So there's um, there's two types of people, and we're we all lean toward one type or the other, and and it's good to kind of analyze yourself where you're at on this spectrum. So we have people who escalate and you know get in an argument, and they tend to get really mad and riled up, and and that can lead to violence, right? Right. But then there's also the people that tend to withdraw, right? Maybe at the first sign of conflict, they walk out the door. You know, they're just they're just holding things in, letting the anger fester inside them. They may not be acting out in a violent way, but you know the research has shown this is not good for uh, this. This isn't good for them either to be holding these feelings in. Right. By the, and I guess are those both? Those are both basic kind of forms of kind of conflict dysfunction. We either tend to escalate, make it worse, or withdraw and avoid. Exactly. And there's a happier exactly. spot somewhere, I guess, in between them. Yeah, exactly. You want to find the spot in between where you can talk things out in in a rational manner. So Scott Stanley's research suggests one one way to, to deal with it, especially if you tend to be an escalator, uh, is to take a time out. You know, just say, hey, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm getting a little bit out of control here. I need to, to take some time to... Um, unwind and, and, and well, why don't we come back uh, in an hour and, and continue this discussion. Right. So, so he found that that's really effective in stopping the pattern, right? And rather than just calling each other names back and forth and just getting more and more heated and turning into this violent um, inter- interchange, yeah. you know, we need to take a time out, cool off, like I talked about before, go for a jog, listen to soothing music, you know, um, talk to a friend, you know, just getting, getting out of that situation, which you're feeling, feeling the water start to boil inside you. Right. Yeah. Is that, um, is that, and is that like, I, cause I teach this with my clients a lot. All we need to do is change the pattern. If we can just, it almost doesn't matter what else you do, as long as it doesn't perpetuate one withdrawing and one escalating. If we can do anything else together in that space, it could be more healthy. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you're, you're exactly right, Matt. You just need to change your pattern, and that's going to make all the difference. But the other key thing that, that Scott Stanley teaches in his intervention is when you come back, you know, we tend to have this, this natural inclination to just say, well, you said this, and then, you know, yeah. you just come, come at the other person, right? The key thing that he teaches, which would really reduce aggressive impulses, is to is to use active listening. He calls it the speaker-listener technique, yeah. right? Yeah. People uh, in your marriage, maybe you take turns, right? You even have some objects that you call the floor. Hey, well, I have the floor. It's kind of like the conch in the Lord of the Flies, right? <laughs> right. When I have the floor, 
I'm the one that's talking, and your job is to listen and to reflect back what you're hearing, ask follow-up questions. Don't say anything about how you're feeling or what your, you know, your interpretations. Your job is simply to try to do everything you can to understand the speaker and, and exactly how the speaker feels in that situation. And then once the speaker feels like he or she's understood, he passes the floor, um, the object, you know, the conch, whatever you want to call it, to the other person, and then they have a chance to describe how they feel in the situation. Um, so having this chance to you both get out your ideas and thoughts and the other person's just listening, reflecting back, asking questions, follow-up questions, this, the, according to the research, this is, this is a dynamite way to reduce oh. aggressive tendencies, in, in, especially in marriage. Yeah. No, and you know, I see it. Again, even last night, that was what my class was on. And it's so interesting it's not natural, right? This is not oh, a natural yeah. approach to do it. The natural way is we just jump on each other and start, you know, emotionally berating or getting down on our partner. But really what we're doing here and what I guess you're teaching us through this process is you can you can um you can discipline your aggression, but it's going to take discipline. You you need something else to replace the reaction with, and it's going to take some discipline to get that pattern in you. Exactly. That's why having a physical object, like we call it, Scott Stanley calls it the floor, yeah. to remind you, hey, my job is just to, to listen right now to the person who has the object. Because sometimes you need that physical reminder. Otherwise, like you say, it's just so unnatural to come out, and, you know, to go against our natural tendency to retaliate. And, and when we're in that kind of pattern, we're not really trying to understand the other person. We're just trying to get our own point across. Yeah. And get our, our our own emotion out. You know, it's almost like we just, we got to get this energy out of us. You know, the the Native Americans used, used to use the talking stick as that, as that tool. And then I've just kind of realized that you should never give two people that are angry a stick. So maybe a conch is better. Maybe anything else is some, any, a pillow, a nice soft yeah, pillow, pillow. To, to hand between each other so you can talk. Back and forth. But it also, it slows it down. I mean, it's interesting. When we go to court, the court has structure. The, the, the judicial system will have a structure to slow everybody down. And, we, and the judge will determine whose turn it is and how long they get to go. But when, man, when we're aggressive and frustrated, it's just game on. We, we, yeah. and, and those, again, are the people that can't even sit in the courtroom. And then they have to be taken care of by the judge as well. It's a... It's a it's a it's a big deal. This the aggressive stuff. I think you're studying. It's it's so essential just for our most basic relationships. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, what is there hope? Give us just give us the 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 message of the ability to change. You you've seen in your research that people can learn this and they can do it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, people can change, you know, with, uh, if it gets extreme, you know, I wouldn't just try and change it on your own. I'd recommend getting some help, some professional help um, of people who are going to really help you to change your patterns, uh, because that's important. And then, you know, we can we can change the overall aggressive patterns in, you know, be a trans- transformational figure in, in the generational chain, right? So we want to really make sure that our children aren't, if, if you have these aggressive tendencies, really trying to make sure 
that your children aren't following suit yeah. by being really firm, establishing firm boundaries. Uh, in my home growing up, my mom said the number one Lambert law is no violence, and there was just absolutely no tolerance. Uh, that was the number one rule. If anyone hit, and actually I was the one that got hit. <laughs> I was the one that was always perturbing my older brother. Yeah. Hit me. But then he would go get in, in trouble, right? Because oh. the hitting was the, yeah. you know, the bigger Nate, you're bigger the devil. Deal. Yeah. You know? You were the tease. Uh, yeah, I was the tease. So, you know, <laughs> I, I definitely wasn't uh, faultless in this interchange. But, but the message came across loud and clear that, that violence, at any level, is not tolerated in our family. And that has to be the message, right? In every family, no violence between husband and wife, violence between father and child, it can't be tolerated in the family. It can't be tolerated in the community. That's, it's, it's probably a new stand, not a new, but it's, we need to be voicing that more. Absolutely. And, you know, I remember one time I was making a call to someone, and I overheard them on the uh, on the line, they, they they were saying to their child, you stop hitting your sister. And then I heard them like slapping the kid oh. for hitting the sister, you know? I mean, it's that kind of interaction, Jeez. you know, that, right. that you got to just nib in the bud. Right. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I, I don't want to get into the spanking thing, but, you know, just refraining from all kinds of physical violence in, in any form, I think, is really uh, important for stopping these these tendencies that can be passed on from generation to generation. Yeah, you're not. You will not change your children and your grandchildren. You will not teach them to be not violent or to be peaceful by being somebody that smacks them. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you know, it, sometimes it may take just adult. Yeah. You need a timeout as well, right? That's exactly if you're right. feeling that urge to hit your child, you know, sometimes you may need to ask yourself, hey, can you take over for a while? I just need to like yeah. go in the other room and cool down or I'm I'm just gonna do something that I'm gonna regret later on. That's right. Daddy needs a break. Daddy needs a break. Well done, Nate, my friend. We're gonna have you back. Uh, we've got to pick your brain on a lot of other topics. I'm dying to hear the research about spanking as well. We'll bring you back for that one. We'll take a break, my friends, and continue again uh, this discussion on the other side of the break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show, second hour of the show. Welcome to the Coach's Corner. And today, by the way, the the term Coach's Corner couldn't be more appropriate. This is the Coach's Corner. What are you, Bill Belichick? Kind of. Because we're going to get into that a little bit today. Now, here's the deal. We've been talking are about... Are talking about footballs that are underinflated? No. Thank you. No, I'm not. But we are talking about the NFL, and they have a big game coming up. I don't know if you've heard about it. This Sunday, it's a game... It's a, we, I, don't I, have, I have a much bigger thing going on this Sunday, so that's, you know. What's bigger than the biggest event in television history? That was Roots. Wow. <laughs> that was a great, that was a great. Miniseries. Miniseries. Yes, it was wonderful. Yeah. That was fantastic. No, this I, is a little different. I, I have a special day on Sunday. Okay. You don't want to talk about it on the air. It's my birthday. Really? Yes. The big six zero. This no. is great. This is going to be neat. You're, you're 10 years too high. <laughs> Is it the big five zero? It is, yes. 
Wow. Uh-huh. So coach me. Well, it's too late. In the, in the corner here. Well, let's get to that. <laughs> That's uh, well, That needs its own show. <laughs> James, let's put something together for the old man. Okay, perfect. You know? Maybe, maybe I don't know. Just some some big band song. Go go be looking for a really <laughs> oh, a big band era song for the old man. Uh, here's what I was going to talk about. Okay, uh, have you guys heard of Ray Rice? A little, so maybe because we've been talking about aggressive behavior. He likes elevators. I understand. Yeah, not anymore. Okay, but Ray Rice, the football player from the Ravens, that punched. And knocked out his then fiance Janae Palmer. Mm-hmm. It created a huge, huge issue, right, about domestic violence and the NFL and how the NFL is not taking care Correct. of the women. And um, so, it, this Super Bowl, there's going to be a lot of ads about domestic violence and domestic abuse. Hmm. One of the ads is going to be placed uh, by the NFL. To, in, in hopes to kind of repair its image, but also to basically just show that we are doing what we can and we need to combat domestic violence and sexual assault. Wow. Okay. That's powerful. I know that I've seen some PSAs by the NFL already. Yeah. They're pushing a lot more. But also, there's going to be another ad. Okay. But this ad is not paid for by the NFL. This is an ad that is going to air Sunday that is an anti-domestic violence group, and it's spending big, big money. And as part of the ad, they're going to basically call for the NFL commissioner to step down. Oh? During the Super Bowl. Wow, that's gutsy. Gutsy. Big league. This well, ad, remember, these, they, got this they ad cost through. millions of dollars. Yes. These ads do. and um, But the group is, it's basically, you know, it's one thing to say... You know, we're the NFL. We don't do it. It's another to have somebody come take them on. So what they're going to do is a burly football player is going to charge down the field and tackle a woman. Full-on tackle an innocent woman. And then the ad will say, let's take, let's take domestic violence out of football. It's a good so message. So why are we committing violence to say let's get rid of violence? Well, the same reason we, you know, punch or poke a voodoo doll. When we're angry at somebody. Okay. Oh, it's shock factor. It's all shock yeah, factor. And everyone's going to be talking about it, so it's going to push this even higher. Yeah. But it's a really strong statement, right? And um, the group is sponsored. The sponsoring group is Ultraviolet, which is a women's rights group. Okay. And they're expecting about 100 million people to view this. And by the way, at the very end of the entire commercial, there is a hashtag calling for the ousting of NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> So why I bring this up, because we just sit there and we think the NFL, they just don't get it. By the way, one of the problems is there's been 55 cases of domestic violence in the NFL that Commissioner Goodell hasn't handled as well as he probably should have. Hmm. They believe, the ultraviolet organization believes. And why I bring this up, there is one organization, and I'm not touting favorites, that is trying to change the team – by focusing more strongly on relationships, guess what team it is? Guess what team? If you think of a team out there and you think of the head coach and the team, which team and head coach would you say has the best relationship? I think I know which one you're going to say. Okay. Well, which one would you say? Uh, I, I don't know because I thought it was the Niners. You is th- it the Oilers? <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. James. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, 
The 80s called. <laughs> wake <Yeah>. up. <laughs> wake up, James. <laughs> I, I thought that they you were the traditionally Titans? known. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the Tennessee Titans. No, actually. it's no. the best relationship. It's not the Oilers. Oh. No, it's not the Oilers. It's the Seahawks. I knew you were going to say that. Who is the huggiest coach in the NFL? It was Jim Harbaugh. It well, it was, but look what happened to Jim Harbaugh. I know, but it was it's uh, it's the Seahawks. The Seahawks have got the huggiest coach on earth. Do you believe that? Who do you know that hugs their people more than what's his bucket? What is his name? I can't. Remember uh, Oprah. Name. Not Oprah. <laughs> Oprah doesn't coach football. <laughs> this is why we need to leave this to the sports guys. Um. What is the name of the coach? Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is Mr. Hug. But here's the deal. Did you do that at college too? Yeah. At USC? See, he's all about relationships. So he brings on a guy named Michael Gervais, who is the the psychologist for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Uh Sports psychologist, which has, and he has access to all of the players all of the time. Wherever they are, he can go to any of their meetings, he can go to anything he wants to, and he just wanders around and tries to build relationships and better understand these guys. He also works with the coaches, and he talks to the coaches and tries to get the coaches to understand why relationships are so important, and here's why he does it. He says, in the end, um, if, the, if the coaches understand the players better, the play, they can get more out of their players. Okay. It's about the relationship. So as a team, they're trying to build a team where we understand each other so much better that we can push you harder, we can squeeze it tighter and make it work better. So much so, Pete Carroll and this Gervais guy, they're now going into business teaching corporate America how to build teams. Relationship-centered Oh, good. So teams. Pete Carroll's going to leave the NFL then? After he wins you know, a few more Super Bowls. Okay. He's going to go out and be a public speaker. Um, But it really is, he calls it the relentless approach to the idea that relationships matter. And in a weird way, you can see it. He's got these guys in his hand. Now, Bilicek's a great guy, but he's not the warm, cuddly one. So every, I don't know that you have to be warm and cuddly, though, to be a good coach. You may not. But interesting guys like Marshawn Lynch, he's – is it Marshawn or Marshawn? Marshawn? Yeah, Marshawn Lynch. He's got – Running back. Yeah, but he doesn't like talking to anybody. No. In fact, so much so, the NFL has said, you're going to pay us some money because you don't like to talk to people. And yet, it's In so fact, the last time he was, at a, he was at a press event, he said, I'm here so I won't get fined. You can see that if that some of these guys... To every really? question. Yeah, that's right. And then he, then he could get fined up to a quarter of a million dollars if yes, he doesn't he could. play ball right, if he doesn't go and do all the media stuff. But all of a sudden, you're about to play the Super Bowl. This is a big deal. Yeah. And you let's just say... You push on a you push on one of your players that came from an aggressive family with an aggressive history. You push on him, you're going to cause problems, and you, you see could. it all through the NFL. But we see it all through everywhere. We even see it with our police, with everybody. In the end, folks, relationships matter so much so that one team is investing strongly in creating a better team. And you know what? I've got to bet it somehow impacted their ability to get to a Super Bowl. They had to come together as a team. They had a very bad start, the Seahawks did. And they had the team leaders come in and let's let's get real. We gotta change this thing. Relationships matter, folks, even in the NFL, for heaven's sakes. We're gonna take a brat break. I was gonna say a brat. We're gonna take a brat. No, we're not. We're gonna take a break. And uh, when we come up, come back, uh, Mark Waite's gonna be joining us. Mark Waite, uh, the resident, the wise guy, we call him. 
the ever-present, uh, let's call him the omnipresent wise man. He's going to talk to us about uh, aggression. Is it always bad? We'll find out when we come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. I can do better. I can do anything better than you. Oh, you can. Yes, I can. Oh, you can. Yes, I can. Oh, you can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Well, there's one way to do it. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. When you have aggression, you can sing it out. And nothing, nothing will get rid of it faster than a really good show tune. Or, for me, it tends to make me more angry, more aggressive. <laughs> When I hear certain show tunes joining us today, Mark Waite, he likes to be called Dr. Mark Waite, uh, not yet a doctor, but he's and some things may never happen no matter how much, how long you wait. You deserve an honorary doctorate. Mark Waite uh, is the um, he likes to be called the guru of classical 89 and uh, he's been in the world of public radio since 1993 when the radio was invented. Audio engineer extraordinaire. Host of the BYU radio show Through the Garage Door, which you are going to be on very I'm going soon. To be on very in soon. short order. I can hardly wait. The thing about being on because you're show, a rocker. Well, I'm really not because you know I like the soft rock. We play soft, mellow stuff. It's not at all aggressive. It's not all Black Sabbath. Because a lot of you are an aggressive. Do I come across that way? Connoisseur of music. I, but you like classical. That's beautiful. I have a hard candy shell, but inside I'm... You're just, gooey. Yeah. You're just a gooey nougat. I'm, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of gross. Um, talk to us, Mark, about aggressive, uh, aggressive behavior, aggressive people. Should we should we be like demonizing all the aggressive people on this earth? Well, I, you know, it's I guess it's a matter of uh, how we... You know, connotation, denotation, is aggression on its face always a bad thing? Yeah, and if, no. you know, and we've been kind of starting from that assumption. Yeah, the assumption, I mean, if we're acting on the aggression. is a bad thing. Right. All the time. Yeah. Maybe not all the time. No. And, and it, it drives it, you, it motivates you. Right. So it comes down to is this aggression constructive or uh-huh. destructive? And, and yeah, admittedly, most of it is destructive, especially in the context that we've been talking about this morning. Yeah. Um, anytime you victimize another person, anytime you objectify and act out violence and make somebody else's life uh, miserable, yeah, you're in the wrong. You're way over the line. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're hurting, if you're harming them. But what if that aggression is channeled? It's controlled. It's disciplined. Yeah. Um, I'm. I'm. A, and, and maybe we call it something else. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe yeah. we just call it uh, adrenaline. You need passion. a little shot of adrenaline, yeah. passion, and so forth. Right. Because otherwise, we'd all just be lying on the couch and getting absolutely nothing accomplished in life if we didn't feel some kind of burning mm-hmm. uh, force in us to accomplish something. And then I guess if that force is designed to bust ahead, like literally. Like go crack somebody, then you're crossing the line, and then you become antisocial. Now we need to get rid of you. And it was interesting what you guys were talking about earlier the uh, the old notion that if you have aggression, it needs to be exercised. Yeah. Need, you have to punch the bozo right. doll, and then that's going to dissipate yeah. the aggression. But then they're finding that it no, doesn't. that actually teaches uh-huh. aggression. It justifies. Um, 
the aggression. And, and that was interesting to me. And even the Mr. Rogers song saying, yes, you need to go out and play, <laughs> play kickball or something yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to get your, your wiggles out, okay? <laughs> your, your violent wiggles out. I need to get my violent wiggles out, Mom. I've never heard it called that, but that's it. That's it. You got to get but your violent wiggles out. Without some kind of uh, aggression and burning passion, I never, okay, I, I couldn't have come in here this morning because being on the radio is scary. Just now, before I came in, I was pacing up and down the hall. Is singing that what you were doing? Eye of the Tiger. I saw that. I had to be singing The Eye of the Tiger yeah. just to get myself pumped up, up to be you in drop, here with the great push-ups. Matt Townsend. Yeah. Oh, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so without some kind of You need adrenaline, an energy. Yeah. We, we go nowhere. And, and even in our relationships, perhaps, now help me with this, but yeah. I, I have this, this uh, moment in time that has been burned into my mind. It's, you know, I saw this 15 years ago. My wife and I were in Kmart. And there was a probably a two-year-old, three-year-old child in the um, the cart screaming, "I hate you, mommy! <laughs> I hate you, mommy!" So the and the so the whole uh, she didn't whole buy him a toy hurt. that he right. wanted, or or something was denied. Now, mommy's response is embarrassment and a pa- very very passive. <laughs> no, 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 Jimmy! Yeah, don't say that out <laughs> no, loud. No, 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 Jimmy! Now. Maybe a little bit more aggressive parenting in that case. Interesting. Uh, the whole spanking yeah. thing that you're going to talk yeah. about in the future, that's a really interesting thing because there's, you know, as we become more enlightened as a culture, we're getting to the point, no, yes, spanking is always, always bad. And yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm maybe a little old school. Yeah. I'm not yeah. completely you can't convinced. You that idea out of your head yet. That to be a milk toast parent, yeah. a completely passive parent, right. maybe the child it turns into Lord of the Flies and then they're in charge, yeah. right? But see, but maybe the idea is you just need to be more informed. Like that mother didn't have any other option than going milk toast or ripping on her kid. Well, and if you wait until the kid is screaming at you in Kmart, that's too late to yeah, deal with it right. because now it's a very awkward situation. But yeah. if uh, maybe a little bit more aggressive parenting uh-huh. where you establish the dominance, I am the 800-pound gorilla. Yeah. I'm in charge. I'm the boss and I make the decisions and you don't as a two-year-old, mm-hmm. um, maybe there's not enough of that going on no, in the I world think you're these right. days. I think you're where, right. And that leads to the entitlement of That's the right. children thinking that That's the right. world revolves around No, that. I think you're right. And it, because the world has to defer to authority, right? I mean, there, and we all have or to – Or pay def- the consequences. Or to pay the consequences, like we've talked about on the show before, the principles. I mean, there's other things that maybe we could use other than – I guess it's when the aggression is by force and it becomes more like coercion. <laughs> Than it is than when it's by principle. When it's anger based, yeah, but and when it's principle based. So the parent has the principled role. So if you already have the position, you already have the brain, you already have the all the principles behind you, you and the moral authority, and the moral authority, and the car keys, and the wallet, <laughs> then you probably don't need to use aggression and fear to control. No, you, you no. Would, you'd need to get ahead of it, like you're saying, and find a better way, but still always remembering that you're in the role of dominance. It's, it's leadership principles yeah, that, that a lot of uh, people and, – and yeah, it doesn't take good, – good leadership has never been violence. That's right. That's right. Or, or, or threats. That's right. Uh, or or mis, you know, misuse or abuse. Um, and so – you know, something that's interesting to me – now, I despise blood sport. I, you know, the, the boxing, the MMA, all of that, I'm, I'm uncomfortable yeah. watching that. Yeah. And yet it's uh, – the psychology of that is fascinating it to is. me. What makes these people – what makes a person who for a living 
is trying to hurt somebody else as much as they can and in the process is getting hurt quite a bit themselves. Yeah. I mean, I've been in a couple of fights when I was a little kid and it horrified. Oh, yeah. Horrible experience because I'm a lover, not a fighter. Yeah, baby. yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? But some people are fighters. Were they born that way? Did they learn that? One, The nature yeah. versus yeah, nurture, nurture that you were talking about with Nate earlier. Um, I don't know the answers to that, but it's a fascinating uh, road that must lead mm-hmm. to thinking, yeah, I'm going to try to – and I've seen interviews with them in advance of the fight and they're, they still – they're nervous. Oh, yeah. They're they're afraid of what's about to happen, yet yeah. they still go into the gladiatorial uh, arena, you know, the, the, the Colosseum. That's right. With and, the Lions. Have you ever seen – like as far as sportsmanship is concerned, it's one of the best examples I've ever seen because – Two just raw men just beating each other up for whatever it ends up being. Then they shake hands afterwards. And they hug. And they so respect each other because you just pounded on me. And I'm like, what? How do you turn that on? Like I'd be ticked for a month. Yeah. But it, then they respect it. I'm like, where? And, and, and the, you know, the lover versus fighter thing, you you know, you watch movies about, you know, an Irish pub and then they're going yeah. to have a brawl. And that's almost kind of a bonding experience yeah. for them. they buy each other they, a drink. They learn a respect <laughs> for each other that's through right. physical violence. Well, hopefully that's not what's happening in our more enlightened yeah. age and certainly not in families because, that you know, the, the abuse that you talked about earlier is one of the great tragedies. Um, but I mean the emotional abuse also. How do you channel? How do you discipline mm. that aggression in a positive way to accomplish something good instead of objectifying somebody yeah. else and making their life miserable? Uh, maybe what you do is instead of punching a ball, you you go out and finally replace the alternator in that 1978 pickup in the driveway. Yeah. You know, stay under your I'm going to use this yeah. anger and motivation to accomplish something yeah. that needs to be accomplished. Which you know, I've been postponing and procrastinating because I just don't want to do yeah. it because yeah. I just haven't been angry enough to yeah. tackle that stupid truck. It's so true. It's going to come out. I mean. And I guess there's more productive ways and less productive ways. One thing I wanted to make sure we get to um, is aggression in music. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, certain types of music have a lot of violence, have a lot of aggressive. And once again, most people would naturally assume, you know, heavy metal, oh, that's a bad thing. Yeah. It's, it's a bad thing. Well, I mean, but by, just, just by feel, that feels more aggressive. Yeah, well, that, by, by design. I mean, intentionally. It's for that purpose. And so there are a lot of people who would say, well, it is aggressive music, ergo, it is bad music. It's yeah. a bad thing. And so, well, and, you know, a lot of it come, goes along with bad lyrics that advocate bad behavior. But mm-hmm. my dad wants... You know, he didn't like my music, and I was listening to heavy music as a teenager. And, and he, you know, he legitimately asked me, don't, don't you think that that's a bad influence on you? And I said, I had, and that's when I started thinking about it. I thought, you know, if they, through their lyrics, are teaching me bad, incorrect principles, then yes, that's a bad thing. Yeah. But let's, let's say it's an, an instrumental piece with no lyrics at all. But it's a lot of crunchy, hard, distorted guitars that's yeah. with with a fast yeah. pace. Is that inherently a bad thing? And I thought, you know, I'm not so sure that that is, although a lot of people don't like it. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's not their you, type. It's, it's not your thing. Okay, now I also love classical music. You take a 60-minute, 90-minute symphony yeah. by Bruckner or Mahler, and if that was all adagios, if that was four soft, mellow movements, you would have no, no. – You'd have nothing. You need a, you you nothing. Need aggressive movement. You need a fast mixed with slow. Huh. You need a modulation of aggressive 
and then release, attack yeah. Yeah. and release. And you, you watch any movie, any story. If you do not have conflict in that story, you've got no story. So true. Every romantic comedy That's right. in, the, in the second act has to have the crisis. Yeah. We love each other. We love each other. We love each other. Boom. Now we hate each other. That's right. The aggressive. But now we love each other again. And We've resolved love. the conflict. And the resolution of yeah. conflict is at the core of the human experience. And so is aggression a bad thing? Um, it's we we all it's a part of us, and we love to see that aggression, that conflict, that problem find resolution. Oh yeah. And so I don't know that hard aggressive sounds in and of no. themselves can be a bad thing. I th- they serve their purpose. You once again because I the, don't want to listen to that music no, all the time. No. I want mellow music too. But we also need the contrast, and that, I want to come back uh, have Mark wait stick with us. Mark, um, the wise man is going to continue. Edifying, giving us more. He's also going to teach us how to get out the the violent wiggles, as Mr. Fred Rogers teaches. We'll be right back. More with Mark Waite right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. See, I would say some of Muse's music amuses you. Amuses me. It's but it's got some aggression. Oh yeah. And you know, this isn't one of your favorites. They're okay. They're good. They are better than I give them credit for. They're well respected. Why don't you give them more credit then? I just uh, it doesn't. It's a chemistry thing. It's the nature of attraction. I'm, I You're like them. I don't love them. Yeah. Let's see. It's got a great beat. We're talking with Mark Waite. Uh, nobody knows music better than Mark Maybe Waite. Maybe a few. <laughs> Host of the BYU radio show, Through the Garage Door, which, uh, you know, it's, it, that's, a, that's a show that people need to pay attention to. Oh, it's the up-and-coming thing. It's that's the next big thing. It is the next big thing. Everybody who's anybody is listening to Garage Door. Really? Oh, Yeah. I didn't get Don't that. Don't be caught Hold on, not listening to Garage I didn't Garage get that Door. memo. Is it, it's getting that big. Oh, yes. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's I'm like you not, sounded I'm just happy. These are... you, but it really is. It's a great show, and you dissect music, and I'm going to go on there, and you're going to ask me about music or my favorite songs, and you're going to be disappointed. No, because no, 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 no. Has Neil Diamond been on your show Garage yet? Door is not a musicological study Good. of the music. In fact, the bands that we bring on, I think that's actually less important than whatever that topic is. Oh, cool. If we're talking about bands from New York, yeah. then New York is a more interesting topic of conversation than, than the, the band. bands we're playing. No, I think you're right. But see, you just did it again. On our show, you brought a little bit of that flavor, talking about aggression, even in music, that we need the contrast. If all we had was just these incredibly beautiful so melodies. Relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> but we need the aggression in contrast with it to create something beautiful. Right. You know, you can get away with a piece of mellow, super relaxing, beautiful music, which I love, yeah. for five or ten minutes, maybe. Then you get at sleepy. At the outside. 
Uh, if you're going to do a 60-minute Bruckner symphony, he can't justify your hour of listening if he's not going to take you on a journey, Yeah. if he's not going to tell you a story. And every real good story has conflict and resolution. Yeah. I mean, Where's the conflict? To, yeah. You have it, to. You can't just have all uh, 60 minutes of resolution. That's right. Because not, there's nothing to resolve. So in a way, that's why your argument that it maybe is more of a neutral thing than a positive or it's – it's, it's, it's essential, but aggression without – One of the most important aspects of mortality is to – we're born with aggression. We're born with the capacity for anger. Yeah. And then to master it, to learn to discipline ourselves, that's the point that's of beautiful. life. Even God himself has anger. That's not my opinion. Yeah. That's in the scriptures a hundred yeah. times. Yeah. He's saying that's that right. he has the capacity for anger, but – it's never uh, undisciplined. That's it's right. always, as a last resort, everything else has been tried, and now the anger is the final resolution of the problem. And he uses it really to create the masterpiece. I mean, the reality, he, he would only pull it when he needs it. Right. Now, the and problem is creates fulfillment. we don't talk about that because then that can be used as a justification for our own undisciplined anger, and right. that's, that's right. where we go wrong. That's right. Yeah, well, yeah, you're not a guy. So, so it's best to always learn to try to discipline the emotions that you were born with. And yet use – Become a master of oneself. But use the, the benefits of aggression to motivate, to drive, to change the pace, like in a song, to elevate the heartbeat – to right. create intensity. To get you off the couch. Uh -huh. um, it, it, maybe we are spending too much time trying to be masters of other people. Yeah, that's it. Than masters of ourselves. That's it. Maybe that's it. Aggression on others. It's selfish. It is. Using it as, in a selfish way. I want you to do what I want you yeah. to do. Uh -huh. And if you don't, I'm going to be angry. Well, I think of somebody that just goes to school aggressively to get their degree, to be the best they can, to have the best opportunity. You can do that, and that's helpful. It doesn't happen automatically. Mm -mm. It takes effort, right? Yeah. And, and, and the times? anger, the aggression is can be the it's driving so factor. But it, or you could just go passively through school and wait for every teacher to just bring you your assignment and figure out and help you to do better next time. And same with a career. You're not going to get a lot out of it. No. Right. Now, so sports, you guys have been talking sports. Yeah. Well, in fact, the big Super Bowl is coming up. Uh, not, I, I like to wait for – I'm waiting for the Ultra Bowl. As soon as they come out with the Ultra Bowl, I'm all over that. <laughs> what is an Ultra Bowl? Well, it's something better than a Super Bowl, you, I assume. You didn't know that? Uh, Ultra not. is better. You can <laughs> oh, see that in, in packaging. Oh, oh. It doesn't exist well, yet. I, no, I'm I was, hoping for something. Oh, I thought we were talking about the Mega Ultra. No. Oh, I the see. Mega no, Ultra is the ultimate yeah, supreme. better. Now, who's playing? It's this Sunday? It's this Let Sunday. Let me guess. Let me guess who's playing. You just guess. The Cardinals and the Celtics. Holy cow. You're not even in the right arena. You're not even in the right ballpark. Uh, no? Have you ever heard of the Seattle Seahawks? Yes. They're, They're from Seattle. Yeah. And the Patriots. New, New England, England Patriots. Have you, have you heard of Deflategate? I, yes, I have. How can you not? See? So, I'm so sick. Who, who cares? If you had so to the balls choose are a little bit soft. I mean, it's two. cold out there. You catch a hard ball, it hurts the hands. You need to soft the ball. Yeah, soften it up. Play with a, I'd play with a Nerf football if it was me. <laughs> well, so if they catch them with a Nerf football, then they got a problem. Yeah. Uh, so uh, of the two teams you didn't know were playing, which team are you going to pick? So New England Patriots, that's a big area. Where are they like from Connecticut, Boston? 
Yeah, Boston, out, I assume. Out, outskirts of Boston, but okay. New Hampshire, all those. It's a big, a big area. They, they all love them there. Yeah. So where are you going? I, I, I bet here's here's how little I know, and yet I still bet that you could name any team, and I could tell. You, you I've could. heard of every. You know team. them all. Yeah. I've heard of the teams. Uh, this doesn't make sense to yeah, me. Los Angeles Rams, right? Okay, not even <laughs> close. Used to be. Used to be. Used when to I was be. a kid, it was uh-huh. the L.A. Rams. Right? Uh, do you remember those days? Yes, I did. Was that when you I were grew a kid? up in That's LA. when I was a kid. Yeah. Were they? Was that your favorite team? Well, Jack I, Youngblood. Do you remember I, those guys? See, my dad wasn't into sports, so I just didn't grow up with sports. I watch Formula One racing. That's, but that's my only what, sport. That's why you're into cars, because you're a muscle car guy. You're a muscle truck guy. But as a racer, you have to be aggressive. Oh yeah. If you're going to get out there, every single sport. That's the whole yeah. nature. NFL. If they're out there on the field trying to get along with each other. Oh. There's no game. I mean, it's the very essence of yeah. we are – it is a battle, and we are attacking you and doing everything we can to overwhelm you and get the ball down to the other okay. end of the court so, or to yeah. get a home run. Then in, we've in got football. to ask home Mark runs about football or Do you remember um, – what's the name of the football player that stepped on Robert uh, Rogers? Mr. Rogers? Aaron Rogers? Aaron Rogers. Yeah, was he was from on. the Lions, mm-hmm. I believe. Not um, Mr. Rogers? No, not Mr. Rogers. Oh, he's got a great name. And he uh, – We'll look it up. It's UNG something. Yeah. But so it's one thing to be aggressive and to go and try to crush the head of the quarterback, the opposing quarterback, like a melon. That's aggressive. It's another to then step on him, knowing he's there, kind of twist your cleat. Now, is that part of the healthy aggressive or have we crossed the line? Well, obviously, that's crossing the line. But that's got to be the interesting thing is that we expect of these uh, – athletes to to know exactly where that razor sharp yeah. line is be extremely aggressive and turn it off overwhelm yeah. right up to this point and then there's a point at which it's bad sportsmanship gentleman's name is Indomitian Sue that's right and he's been fined quite a bit he's got some yes it he's almost got some feels like issues I, I find very interesting because Ziggy Ansaw uh-huh. from BYU is on the same who was very very aggressive on the field and not off the field mm-hmm. when he was playing here plays with this guy. Yeah. But we're telling these people to be extremely aggressive, yeah. extremely violent, and if, you, if you want to call it, it that. Oh, absolutely. Paying the millions of dollars, but telling them there's a razor sharp line here, go right up to that line, but never, ever, ever step over that line. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like unfair that- A little bit. It is. You know, be a gladiator. That's right. We want you to be a gladiator, and but- we want you to kill everybody, That's but right. after you've killed them, we don't want you to stab them again after they're dead well, because then we're going to fine you $100,000. For me, it's always the same because for me, sports has replaced warfare in society. Oh, yeah. Right. It's surrogate warfare. Exactly. Uh, it, when it used to be your town Unless you're and in my the Middle town, East and then it's actual well, exactly. warfare. <laughs> but it used to be, you know, your town and my town would go on up against each other. That's We'd right. fight. That's right. I mean, and there was you, – you crossed every single line. Well, but it's now it's, it's a the, controlled the good sportsmanship. Exactly, what, what constitutes good sportsmanship? Mm-hmm. It's written in a book somewhere. Well, and it's the, called the rules. But the aggression isn't even just on the field. Now there's some guy oh, sitting yes. in a lazy boy that's mm-hmm. angry at the team that he's watching because he's too lazy to actually go exert his own energy or buy a ticket or buy a ticket or so then. But he now feels that same aggression and the same anger well, that, that somebody would step on his. Isn't that why people are watching football is, but it makes them feel something. We mm-hmm. all want to feel yeah. something. And if we go through life, not feeling anything, we're, we're miserable That's and right. we would rather feel angry than feel nothing at all. And maybe it's that, you know, 
We just that makes us feel human. Yeah. So so the lazy boy uh, quarterback, <laughs> he's he's watching it, and just d- to feel something. Domestic violence goes up. Super Bowl Sunday, domestic violence reports will go up. Um, just in the losing city, it, probably in all cities. Actually, the the uh, yeah the gang. Uh, war, not gang. What's it called? Where they they have these huge, massive groups who'll start tipping over cars in the winning city. Yeah, they rioting. The rioting in the streets. And the, oh, so that, hap- that happened just a, a few weeks ago when Ohio State won the national championship. The mob mentality yes. takes yeah. over. Yeah. And, and I, I guess the answer to that is some classical music. <laughs> it's, yeah. So in the midst of all of Absolutely. that, if we would just go in instead of like shooting, they should blare classical yeah. music through the loudspeakers in the bullets. streets of the. What would you pick? The, the, what should they play? Oh, Give us one good uh, symphony. Barber's Adagio for strings will just mm, totally sounds... mellow, mellow you out. The Thais meditation. See, so all they need are big speakers, during the get rid of the rubber bullets, and then just play. Blast it. Don't you wonder what would happen? 120 decibels. You can just see that they'd all calm down. Aggressively blast the, the calming music. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, yeah. it sounds like I'm bad-mouthing sports as an outlet for no. aggression, but I mean, that's what we're doing listening to music, too. Well, I'm listening right. to heavy metal because I want to feel something. That's it. And we need, the, we, need the, we need the movement in our body. We need the emotion. So we watch the sports. We watch the – we listen to the music. Or you could just – As go, long as it's balanced with the mellow music to bring you back down. And, and recognize what it is and don't make it – don't take it out on anyone else. Unless, of course, master you're yourself, don't master others. The words of Mark Waite, the wise man, <laughs> the wise man of our show, not the wise old man. I think we used to call you the old wise man, the wise guy of the show, the wise guy of the show. By the way, you can catch more from Mark Waite on his show through the garage door, which is when uh, every night at 10 o'clock, except Sunday, every night at 10 o'clock mountain, mountain time right here on BYU Radio. Mark, thanks for joining us. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, Sean's going to wrap this up with a uh, what-do-you-know-about-bullying kind of quiz-slash-educational moment. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Wrapping it up. The Matt Townsend Show. About to put a bow on this one. Put it on the shelf for time and eternity. Okay. In the house, James. The man, the myth, the legend, a.k.a. Jasper, a.k.a. the wife of the husband of the knife thrower. (laughs) Future husband of the knife thrower. Yes. Sean O'Neill's here as well, a.k.a. soon-to-be... AARP. <laughs> Is that right? I guess. We'll see. AKA AARP. Uh, Sean's uh, been doing some research about bullying. Again, where we see a lot of aggressiveness is in the online world and just at mm-hmm. school, bullies coming out. He's put together, uh, found a site where he's going to educate us. Yeah, I found this very interesting, actually. It's a quiz. Oh, so we're going to go through. Quizzes. I'm sorry. It's okay. a pop quiz. I know. You're, 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 you're at college now. Is it timed? So. No, it's okay. not timed. Uh, but it's it's a quiz on it's a quiz to to measure how informed you are about bullying. Okay. So it's not it's not something where you have to have the correct answer. Uh, James, are you going to participate? Yes, I am. Uh, we we need your help. We need your expertise because okay. no one can bully like you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go with question one here. Yes. Uh, and there are usually four responses for each question. Okay. So you'll tr- actually there. I think there are some true and false. So there there 
there may be some different numbers of answers. But um, so the question is, most bullying typically takes place at the following times and places. After school, as the child travels home. In the morning, on the way to school. During school hours, while children are in unstructured activities like recess, hallway, yeah. that sort of thing. Or during school hours while students are in class. Uh, all of the above. That's what I was thinking. There is no choice for that. Uh, so I would say on the way home after school. I would say during school unstructured activities. Okay. Let's choose that answer. And that is correct. Who's? During school oh. – while children are in unstructured activities like recess. Oh, see. Most bullying, in fact, two to three times as much happens in school rather than on the way to or from school. Yeah, so, so it's really inside the school boundaries. That exactly. You need to worry. James has an unfair advantage because he's both bullied and been bullied. Oh, I see. <laughs> How did you know that, James? You're good. Uh, generally, bullying during school hours occurs when there is limited or no adult supervision, including lunchtime between class periods and recess. Mm-hmm. Okay? Wow. Uh, this this uh, comes to us, by the way, from a website called education.com. Cool. Question number two. Which of the following statements about the ways in which boys and girls bully is true? Boys tend to bully with physical behaviors and while girls bully with words. Girls tend to bully with physical behaviors while boys bully with words. Boys and girls tend to bully in essentially the same way, or boys and girls use a combination of physical behaviors and bullying with words. Wow. I think the last one, the combination. Yeah, combination. I, I, I'm going with the bully. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that is not correct, actually. Oh, no. It's the first one. Boys tend to bully physically, while girls tend to use words. Oh, interesting. And a lot of times you wouldn't just think of the mean girl's language as mm-hmm. bullying. You just think it's mean. Well, it's actually boys are more direct with their bullying, while girls are more indirect yeah. with their bullying. Boys often use behaviors like pushing and shoving, and girls will use words to spread rumors and name call. It's inter- I wonder if that's true as we age. Uh, that's a good well, question. Because we know that more men are physically abusing mm-hmm. women, and yet women still can physically abuse men. But do women then use more abusive language? That's a good question. I'm not sure. Let's ask James. Uh, yes. Okay. They do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think like it's, it seems fairly common, though, that just how young, young women are more like psychological attacks. You know, yeah. it's mm-hmm. not physical. Yeah. Number three, when a bully harasses another child, the victims tend to be which of the following? About the same age, older, younger, or bullies will pick on older kids, kids their age, and younger kids. So about the same yeah. age, older, younger, or all of the above? I'm going to go with uh, bullies will pick on any kid regardless of age. It's just size. Yeah, I would say all of the above. And that's wrong. Younger, actually, is the answer. Bullies often pick on younger students rather than older students Mm. or peers of the same age. Boys and smaller children are at the greatest risk for physical bullying. Weakness can also be defined as social status within school culture. Weaker students may be the ones that do not have many friends or who do not belong to the popular cliques. Wow. That's why you need one of those superheroes. Yes. Like Mr. Mr. Incredible. Incredible. Unless, From of course, LA. he's, he's you need super that, aggressive. But you need the aggressive Mr. Unless, of course, Incredible. he's on the side of the road picking up trash. <laughs> hey, by the way, if you're in L.A. and you see Mr. Incredible in a, in a jail jumpsuit picking up trash, <laughs> yeah. just let him do his business. 
The guys had a bad, very bad day. Okay. When victims are bullied, they tend to do which of the following in response to the bullying incident? They immediately tell their teacher or principal. They immediately tell their parents. They may wait a while, but they will likely tell school figures and their parents. They will likely keep the incident to themselves. D. Yep. That is correct. Many youth feel disrespected by authority figures and may not disclose violent incidents because of feelings of distrust. Mm. Sad. Number five, the age period in which children bully the most is the following. Elementary school, middle school, elementary and middle school, or high school? Uh, I would say 50 years and above. <laughs> That's when Sean's going to start his bullying rampage. Yeah. Uh, I'd say younger. I'd say... Elementary or middle? Middle. Okay. I would say... There's a lot of hormonal mixture going yeah, on. I would say middle, middle school as well. And it's elementary and middle, Ugh. both. Man, incidents of bullying looks like a it's a bell curve actually. Bullying peaks between grades four through seven. Really? Yeah. And I it am steadily way declines off. as students get older, but it never totally disappears. No, then it turns into hazing. Yes. And then it just turns into you know mm-hmm. marriage. Uh, <laughs> so most bullying, true or false? Most bullying happens when there are adults present. False. True. False. Oh. <laughs> we had, we actually, it's kind of a repeat of an earlier question. Yeah, I've, I've been listening. <laughs> That's all. I just listen. Just okay. Listen. So uh, next question. When kids tell an adult, true or false, when kids tell an adult about the bullying that they have experienced, adults generally take them seriously and give them the support that they need. False. False. That is correct. Oh, Students are often advised fast. to work it out on their own, but without support or cues on how to do that. Studies show that bullying is often tact, tact, tacitly excuse me, yeah. accepted by adults. See, it's interesting because what you'll usually say is, hey, just go hit him. Yeah. Go punch him. You just punch him right in the mm-hmm. kisser, and he'll never mess with you again. <laughs> it's kind of strange. I actually saw that there's, there is a movie called Bully. It's a documentary. Mm. And I saw they they had an they had an example of that actually in the movie. Did it work? No, they, no. The the where the school, uh, the teacher or whatever the school representative was, told 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 the kids to work it out. Basically, hey you two, yeah, go, go over into go in the quiet and it corner. Did, it and I want you guys to talk this you out. Could, you could just tell the one child was just like, yeah, don't tell me to do that again. You can't talk I with can't, a bully. Exactly. You need a mediator. <clears throat> uh, so number eight. There, uh, there often are bystanders, kids who are not bullies or victims, but who observe the interaction of bullying incidents. The effect on bystanders is often as follows. They're not affected because they are not directly targeted. They are not affected because they feel more in control. Or they are negatively affected, but the consequences of observing a bullying incident wears off in a short amount of time. Hmm. Or they are negatively affected, but steps should be taken to educate and support them as well. Hmm. Not the actual victim of the bullying, but a bystander watching. I'd say negative effe- negatively affected short amount of time. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you better, you better that be is right. wrong. Oh, James. Geez. It's actually they are, they are negatively affected, but they need to be educated and they need to have support as well. Okay. Particip- you know, all Did three you participants. Did you study the manual, I, I James? Didn't, I didn't do my reading. You have to study at night. But the sense the, the the passive role of bystander leads to a sense of powerlessness, fear of being victimized, and anxiety that they'll do the wrong thing in a mm. social group. Oh, that's sad. It is. That would like make them the victim. 
Yeah. Uh, another victim, actually. Yeah. So uh, number nine, in terms of social skills, children who bully have which of the following characteristics? High levels of social skill and social intelligence. High levels of social skills, poor social intelligence. Low levels of social skills and social intelligence. Or low levels of social skills, but strong social intelligence. I'm so it's all, I'm it's all D. D? So, low skills, low, but they're low intelligent. Low social skills, but high social intelligence. Which is why C. they know they need position. Okay, let's look at D here. Nope. Neither one, neither D nor C are correct. By C, I meant it's A. A. That's what I meant. They have high <laughs> levels of D? social skills and social intelligence. Um, really? Particularly during the middle school year, some bullies are actually quite popular among their classmates who perceive them as especially cool. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. This bully test is hard. Yeah. It is. So, yeah. last question. Okay. Children who are bullied often report the following symptoms. Anxiety, loneliness, low self-esteem, all of the above. D. Yeah, all of the above. That is correct. Yeah. <sighs> Other possible side effects include depression, psychosomatic symptoms, social withdrawal, school refusal, school absenteeism, poor academic performance, physical health complaints, running away from home, alcohol and drug abuse, and suicide. Mm. We can't have that. The thing no. that I'm learning from this is that bullies look different than what we what yeah. we think. You know, like the media depicts uh-huh. them, like movies. Oh, definitely. As the, the recluse, the yeah. social recluse, that you know, the big guy that beats up on people. The guy that wears leather. Money. Yeah, exactly. Comes in on a hog. Not the popular kid. No. That everyone supposedly loves. See, that Arthur Fonzarelli. Mm-hmm. He was kind of the bully. At the beginning of the Happy Days, and he became thing, converted yes. by the Cunninghams. Yes, he did. Are you with us? Are you with us, James? And we're just doing. Oh, yeah, the, we're just going back oh, yeah. to the past. You know? hey. This definitely wasn't hey. before my time. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad I don't work with bullies. I'm glad you don't either. You're not a bully, James. Thanks, Matt. But you did great on the test. <laughs> hey, we're out of here, my friends. Tomorrow, a great uh, topic. We're talking about changing the way we look at death. Uh, a look at hospice care. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Here's a quote on the way out by Marvin J. Ashton. By the way, this is the man that married me. Oh, in uh, uh, and my wife in the temple. Okay, he performed the ceremony. He performed the ceremony. If we could look into each other's hearts and understand the unique challenges each of us faces, I think we would treat each other much more gently, with more love, patience, tolerance, and care. We need to start looking into each other's hearts, my friends. Thanks for joining us again. Tomorrow, more fun, more ideas, a leg up, and hopefully uh, to see the good in life right here on the Matt Townsend Show.